Livestream is your premier place to watch live events on the web, mobile devices, and connected TVs. See new events daily or broadcast your own at Livestream.com. Livestream. Be there. Coming to you live from the Vegas Video Network Studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Top of the Food Chain. And now your host, he's one part mohawk, two parts attitude, and a touch of what the f***, it's Al Mancini. Scott, Scott, you almost forgot to cue the applause this week. Hello, welcome to Top of the Food Chain. I'm your host, Al Mancini, here to announce my candidacy for the Keg Party nomination for this year's presidential race. Any other year, that would just be a lame beer joke because I'm talking beer today, but after looking at the field this year, I think I could actually win. I'm not saying I don't like any of those people, I'm just saying I'm not wackier than any of them. Anyway, you are at Top of the Food Chain, and um, we're here at the Vegas Video Network, your home for all Las Vegas-based programming. We've got everything you need. We got golf, we got real estate, we got bars, we got food, we've got Scott and Melissa talking about whatever Scott and Melissa want to talk about that night. It is a great network. You should check out all the programming at VegasVideoNetwork.com. Find it all on YouTube, on iTunes, um, on Roku, we're streaming live now with whoever just put that ad up. I forget the name of who they are. We are um, <laughs> live stream. Thank you, Scott. And you can hear all the programming every Friday night at 1400 AM. That's KSHP. So, and by the way, if you're listening to KSHP and you want to get a question in, you can dial us up on the listener line, 866 Hopefully, if you are here watching live, you can get in on the viewer chat, and we got everything you need to know about beer coming up, so get in the chat room for that. And if you've got a question for a future episode, that is food at vegasvideonetwork.com. You can find all of my work at almancini.net, including all the archived episodes of this, all over there at almancini.net. Um, and you can follow me at almancinivegas on the Twitter there. So, and I've been doing a lot of tweeting these days. So anyway, we got lots to do. Let's kick this off. Scott, how are you? Another beautiful day in paradise, as you can tell by the shirt. Haven't, haven't seen you since the party, man. How'd that work out? I uh, got home at 3 a.m. Wow, and you started at about 4, because I saw four. you at 4.30. So we're doing, what is that, about uh, 11 hours? The, and you can still do math after that. It's That's good, the amazing huh? part, man. Yeah, you're, you're rocking pretty hard for an old guy. Well, thank you. That's very nice of you, Al. Jeez, well, you know, you live in the same city as guys like Vince Neal and people like that. So, you know, we know how to rock into old age in this town. Yeah, thank you again for the old age comment. <laughs> I don't know. Are you older than me? I'm not even sure. I don't want to talk to you anymore, Al. <laughs> I find you mean-spirited and unpleasant to talk to. Uh, well, you're the one that was doing the math over there. I just you're the one that called me old. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were old. you were doing the the eight, the hours. How many hours out? So I was. What does that thinking, have to do with how old I am? No, just doing the math. I want to know who's older. You're Your age me. subtracted by my age, where it comes out. See, already the the chat is going. Scott is the greatest ever. Quit picking on him, Al. How is calling you old picking on you, Scott? I just said you rock really hard. I don't want to be old. And now they're saying Scott is way older. You're, yeah. What a great chat. <laughs> your That's choice. Jackie, thank you, Jackie. You your only choice is, Scott, get old or die. Those are your options. That's so um, go, with the, go with the getting old, man. So, so you been up to anything interesting this week? Uh, this week, what have I been doing? Uh, well, we, uh, we just signed a, a very, our largest deal, actually my largest deal ever, 
uh, since being an entrepreneur, and we've begun rehearsing that show. Really? Yes. And you're not going to give details? Another you, one of those secretive things? No, it's very secretive. Uh, it'll launch in October if all goes as planned. Okay. Do I get to be a guest? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> but if I say you're not old, then do right. I get to be a guest? You're nice to me, maybe. But no. <laughs> oh, no, actually, uh, uh, it's going to be a pretty tightly shot, fast-paced, uh, very subject-specific show. And I am loosely shot, slow-paced, and non-subject specific. Right. Is that what you're it's, getting it's, at? It's mostly the mohawk that scares us. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and the fact that I'm old, and I'll probably forget to invite you. That's it, it's, Alzheimer's. It's a very fast-paced mohawk. <laughs> well, man, I've had a nice week out there. I'm dining around. My family was in town. You got to meet my family last week at the show. I did. Which was cool. We did a lot of great meals. Um, I just need to say thanks to everybody over at American Fish, at Milos, at... Um, at Carla, uh, Carla Pellegrino's place, Baccio, man. We, we just did the rounds, did a ton of great food. And you can see a bunch of pictures of that over at almancini.net if you're interested. But I don't really have much to talk about. We're in the middle of beer season, Scott. Have you noticed? Uh, every day is beer season for me. <laughs> I thought it was always devil's margarita season for well, you. Well, that's on the weekends. Okay. But, well, uh, I'll drink whatever somebody puts in front of me, basically. Every time you turn around, there's another beer fest going on. We're rolling into Oktoberfest. We got a UNLV beer fest coming up this um, Saturday, and I'm a little afraid that some people out there may be a little intimidated by beer. So it's a basic show. We're going to talk about great beers. We've got all of them sitting here in front of us. I'm going to be back to do that in just a second. Get on the chat line with your beer questions. Let me know when I'm live. Hi, everybody. This is Bridget Magnus of Getting Real Estate in Vegas, and you are watching the Vegas Video Network. <laughs> and you are back on top of the food chain on the Vegas Video Network. I'm your host, Al Mancini. As I said, we're talking beer today. We are in beer season, and I have with me Bubba from Barley's. Pleasure to be here, Al. Thank you. How are me. you, brother? Good, good, good. Last time, I, last time we spoke, you were the assistant brewmaster. That's correct. Over that's at correct. the Barley's Casino and Brewing Company, and now you are the brewmaster. That's right, that's right. Uh, Unlike Scott, you do not look old enough to be a brewmaster. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that all the time. I still get carded at R-rated movies, so it, uh, it's definitely working in my favor. But, you know, I, I love the industry, and I, I love the company I work for, and, uh, you know, it's going good right now. I think a lot of people don't know Barley's, unless mm -hmm. you live over in that part of kind of, it's Green Valley, I guess you'd, you'd describe it as. Um, but it is a station-owned casino. It is. It's a, it's a small casino, no table games. No but table it is games. A, uh, we have a full sports book and uh, about 200 slot machines. Yeah, so it's this, a casino. This, this ain't no Dotties, okay? This is a real joint. And, um, and they've got a whole a brew pub in the back. That's right. Yeah, we do. And how many of those big vat things do you have back there? Uh, well, what do we, they call them, vats? Yeah, vats okay. are, you know, fermentation tanks, hold okay. the tanks. We've got, um, let's see, we've got six uh, primary fermentation tanks and another four serving tanks, so 10 tanks all together in there. Wow. Uh, each tank holds about uh, 100 kegs worth. Wow. Here. And um, we haven't even gotten started, and they're already asking questions on the chat line. Scott, is it about your age? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they said, Scott looks much younger than 12 or 13. Uh, they want to know the address of Barley's. Uh, it's uh, 4500 East Flamingo, uh, yeah, over on the corner of uh, Sunset and Mount Vista. In the, it's right in the Smith, Smith's parking lot. So the address is Flamingo, but it's on oh, Sunset. Oh, 4500 uh, East uh, Sunset. East Sorry Sunset. 4500 <laughs> East Sunset, okay. I was looking at my map quest on the way over here, and I got Flamingo stuck in my head. So. Okay. <laughs> um, cool. So, yeah, a very cool place over there, and you guys brew everything right, right there. And oh, definitely. And you can drink it right at the bar, mm -hmm. and... It's, it's a cool vibe. I know you've got a lot of really steady customers that come in for the, for the booze. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of regulars, definitely a local spot. So 
uh, see the same people every day, give them brewery tours, and uh, for all you, you know, new uh, customers that want to come in, you know, come in and ask for me, and I'll definitely love to show you around the brewery. And this, you brew up about how many beers at a time? Blew up, blew up, said, man, I haven't even been drinking yet. You brew up how many beers at a time? Uh, we've got four uh, regular styles, uh, uh, German Helles. We've got a uh, American style, it's the Oktoberfest lager, uh, a Bavarian wheat beer, a uh, German Dunkel, and a rotating seasonal. Uh, right now it's a higher alcohol honey blonde ale, and I kind of pick my seasonals on, the, again, the season and whatever I'm feeling like at the time. How frequently do they rotate out? Uh, the seasonals? Yeah. I'd probably say every two to three months. And a few of your beers, at least one of your beers, is available at a lot of the other station casinos. Yes, our uh, Red Rock, which is our Oktoberfest lager, is available at a bunch of the larger properties and every uh, wildfire gaming property. Okay, so I want to start, because I think here's the thing with beer. Unlike, you know, I get on and I say I'm going to teach people about tequila or I'm going to teach people about something, and, and a lot of people are like, okay, cool, you know, I didn't, never really knew what an Añejo is, but ev everyone grew up drinking beer. That's right. But the, there seem to be two classes of beer drinkers in America. There are the people that drink Bud Light, and they watch beer, they watch football, and they drink beer, and they like beer, and that's it, and that's all they need to know. And then there are the beer snobs who really make some of the wine snobs I know look modest. <laughs> look modest. They do. They do. They definitely do. Um, yeah, you know, they're they're the, definitely the two different styles of drinkers. Um, before I used to be one of the the Bud Light drinkers. That's kind of how I got into brewing. Just being really curious about the whole, uh, the whole scene and, uh, you know, kind of went from there. So we're here to do kind of Beer 101 for the people that want to go out to some of these beer festivals or maybe just want to be able to hang out with your friends mm -hmm. and know what they mean when they say, this is a very fine IPA, and you're like, <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Okay, we're going to teach you the basics, things like that. Um, I'm going to start with the, the very basics, but we've got a question from the audience first, and I always defer to them. Scott. Uh, Chef Sean King would like to know, what restaurants, if any, carry your beer? Uh, we are actually in the uh, station's properties, so Sunset Station, Palace Station, uh, Boulder Station, Santa Fe Station, and uh, all of the uh, smaller again wildfire properties. So, right. Okay. And do uh, do they do any of that? Any kind of like beer pairing dinners kind of things? Uh, as far as I know, they do not uh, at those properties, but we do that at uh, at Barley. So you can just call and make a reservation. I'll be there to explain the beer. We will pair it with uh, certain items that we fill in. Also, cook cook the items with the beer. All right. And um, also, if you're talking about beer pairings, I should point out that there is one coming up. It's a late night beer pairing. I was just writing about it for um, for Desert Companion magazine. It's going to be on September 29th over at Morell's Steakhouse. It's a 10 o'clock thing. They do a cool beer pairing. You could just call over to Morell's and get the details on that. I don't have them with me. I should have brought them, but um, I wasn't thinking about pairings today. But thanks for the question, Chef. Now let's get back to the basic questions. Right. What's, what's beer? What defines beer? Uh, beer is one of the oldest uh, f uh, fermented beverages in the world, pretty much uh, from the start of civilization. Uh, again, alcohol, it's uh, made with uh, primarily barley or wheat. Uh, water, hops, and yeast are the four main ingredients. Um, there's some specialty beers that incorporate fruit. Uh, and uh, again, like Bud Light and, and the other uh, domestic products will use corn and rice in there. Uh, but really, since the dawn of civilization, beer has been around. Uh, you know, ancient Egypt, Africa. Um, you know. And today, no matter what country you go to, you're going to find a locally brewed beer. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's it's the the brewery uh, craft brewery market is just exploding right now into the scene. So it's right. it's a great time for all of us. Okay, so there there are we hear these words. We hear lager. We hear pilsner. We hear you know stout. 
Are there a set number of categories? Like in, in tequila, for example, I could say to people, okay, here are your three basic categories that you need to know. Your Blanco, your Reposado, your Añejo. Now, on the other hand, there's wine, which I could do this show every week for a year and talk about and a different type of, different of wine. Not run out wines, yeah. Yeah, so which is beer closer to? Uh, definitely closer to wine. There are so many styles out there and so many sub-styles uh, out there. Uh, they can actually be cl classified into two main styles. You have lagers and ales, uh, and that depends on the type of yeast used. Uh, lagers are bottom fermenting. Uh, they take longer to ferment, and they're at colder temperatures, usually classified with more of a smooth... Um, clean finish. Now then you have ales, which are top fermenting, ferment at warmer temperatures. Uh, it'll take about two weeks to ferment out, whereas lagers will take 45 days to, to finish. And uh, you'll have a little more of a fruity characteristic in a lot of ales. Okay, so does everything then that we will, from now on here, whether it be from a, a stout or a lambic or, you know, any of these words that we hear, do they all fall either into lagers or ales? They, they all will definitely fall into either a lager or ale. That's okay. the type of yeast that's used, yes. So we could probably get a little app together so people would know what everything was and how, yeah. how it felt. <laughs> so what, what, what I want to do with you today is talk about some of the more popular types of beer that are out there. All right. and, and guys, again, we're not giving you a graduate course, but if you're going to a beer festival, we're going to run through seven types, seven examples of each type. We may not drink them all because I do have to be able to drive home from here. But um, we'll talk about the characteristics. And hopefully, if you're taking notes at home, you'll understand a little bit. And you'll be able to go out with your snotty friends and, um, and pretend, at least to, be a beer pretend snob. to be a beer snob. <laughs> and yes, snotty friends, I know you out there. Now you're going to know their tricks. And you're going to try to ask them a question that wasn't on the show. Stop being that way. You're ruining drinking for all of us. OK, so let's, um, what do we have up first? Uh, first up, we have our uh, Red Rock, which is a Oktoberfest lager. And this, this type of beer that this is, is? is uh, it's called the Merton. Uh, it's our Oktoberfest lager. Uh, style, very interesting. Um, style came about before refrigeration. And uh, in, in Germany, they weren't allowed to brew beer during the warm summer months. All the beer brewed in the summer months would turn sour. So what they did was they brewed a whole bunch of beer in March. Um, that's what Merton means, is March. Uh, and they'd store it up in the caves. They were very clever, though. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, right. Oktoberfest happens yeah. in October, but not always, right? <laughs> not always, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they would, yeah, brew a whole bunch of beer in March. Uh, we lay up to the Alps, leave it, you know, leave it there for uh, consumption when they'd, you know, bring it down keg at a time for consumption. Uh, when the winter months would come around in October, um, they had to make space for the new batches. So they'd basically roll all the leftover beer down, have a big party, and that turned into Oktoberfest. Mm, nice. So stale Oktoberfest is stale beer. <laughs> nah, no, Basically, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what it traditionally is. Talk a bit, while we're getting this ready to go, talk a bit about this bottle that you have going on here. What's oh, this called? Uh, this is called the Growler. Uh, we sell these at Barley's. Um, it's uh, good for, for you know, storing beer, transporting beer. We, um, uh, they're good for, they say, up to two weeks. Um, I like to just keep it in there for uh, 16 hours is, is my, my general rule of thumb. And yeah, so what you have to understand is if you go over to Barley's, you guys don't bottle your beer. No, and we do not. A lot, of, a lot of brew pubs don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, many do, but a lot don't. And so you'll just pull out one of these jugs and fill it up for yep. people to take it home. That's and right. It's if just... they want to take our brew home, we've got a whole bunch of these, and they can take our beers home. And well, we also refill them for a discounted price. So if they bring this back in, they can get it refilled. Reminds me of the old, you know, moonshine days. Yeah. Just get a couple of these. <laughs> you know, I picture Larry Flint tasting the thimbleful, you know, yeah. in the beginning of the movie. So that's, tell me what we should be looking for. Again, this is a lager in the Marzen style. Mm -hmm. And you tell them again what the exact name is. Yeah, it's, uh, the exact name is uh, Meriton. It's Oct Oktoberfest lager. Um, you're characterized by more of a malty finish, uh, low hop bitterness. 
Um, I brought an unfiltered version today because I'm actually a fan of unfiltered, unfiltered beers. As you can see, it's, uh, it's a little, little hazy there. Uh, the style is normally filtered, but I decided again to leave it unfiltered this time. Okay, so what I should be looking for here right now is? It's got a malty backbone. Uh, it might be a little sweet from the caramelized malts. Uh, low hop Smell burgers. a little sugar on it. That is good. Good job, brother. Thank you. How long did it take <laughs> you to make that? Uh, 45 days. 45 days. Okay. We've got another question. Scott. Was that called Red Rock? Red Rock, it was. Is there a Red name? Rock. Is there a reason for that particular name? Uh, when they uh, first started Barley's, they wanted to uh, incorporate the styles with all the beers with different places around town. We've got the Boulder Gold Hefeweizen, the Black Mountain, the Red Rock. I'm going to anger all my friends at Station, but I will say it is ironic that one of the few Station properties you cannot buy Red Rock at is the Red Rock Resort. Red Rock. That's right. So, so get it over there, folks. <laughs> I don't know who's buying over there, but let's come on. Oh, you guys send them an email. <laughs> oh, man, I'm never getting into another. You're going to get an email right now. Never going to get into another <laughs> restaurant over at Station Casinos again. Um, what do we have? What's the next type of beer that we had up? Uh, our next type of beer is our uh, Hefeweizen, which is Hefeweizen. right there. Now, Hefeweizen, as it says on the screen, for mm -hmm. those who can read, it's, it's a Bavarian wheat ale. Bavarian wheat. There yes, are a is. lot of different types of wheat ales out there, correct? Oh, yeah. We've got an American wheat ale, uh, even the um, uh, Belgian wit beer. Help me out with that, man. Ah, you put it on too tight. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, ooh, me strong, man. <laughs> me get beer out bottle. Um, because you're not old. That yeah, is because I'm not old. My arthritis hasn't kicked in yet, Scott. Um, okay, so explain how wheat plays into the brewing process and then what effect it has on whether it be a wit or an American wheat ale. I mean, because you'll see things like a blue moon would be, or a pyramid, those are both blue very popular. Blue moon would be a uh, Belgian wit. Um, uh, pyramid is an American style. Uh, it's actually the type of yeast that is used. Uh, we use uh, yeast from, a yeast chain from the Weinstephan uh, Monastery in Germany. Uh, if you notice the aroma, it's got a very uh, banana, nice banana clove finish to it. Uh, a lot of people even it's think... It's cloudy, it's kind of yellow-orangey, mm -hmm. yellow almost uh, like... Hefeweizen actually means uh, cloudy wheat beer. Right. So there are those Germans again with their clever names. There they are. <laughs> Notice the banana clove finish, uh, very effervescent. Yeah. Very nice. Um, it comes on a little stronger, I think, than, say, American wheat beers. Oh, definitely, definitely. Know? And uh, the thing with American uh, like pyramid, a lot of people like to put a lemon in it. Or an uh, orange slice. Or an orange. Uh, Blue Moon is usually uh, with the orange. Right. Uh, with this style, actually, we don't recommend to put either a, you know, either one of those in there. There's enough flavor, enough aroma in there to, to satisfy you. So. And where do you get those fruity flavors while you're brewing it? Uh, it's actually from the yeast. All I, uh, all that's in there is the the malt, the wheat, uh, the water, and the yeast, and you know, and the hops. So there's no fruit added. It's actually a byproduct of the the yeast that's used. Okay, I want to, and again, I'm, we're not going to pour each and every one of these, but let's run through. Um, what do we have up next that we're going to talk about? Uh, next, I believe I had the uh, chocolate stout there. Okay, and this is now... Uh, it was actually that front oh, one excuse there. excuse me, yeah, what am I doing? Oh, well, this <laughs> looks really dark from mm -hmm. behind. I got the light in my eyes. Is this what, where, where are we going? I can't see. There we go. I'm blinded a, by light. There a you Young's go. chocolate stout. This is uh, classified in the L category. Um, more of a uh, sweeter stout as opposed to Guinness, which is a drier stout. Okay. Uh, it's got a definite uh, chocolate finish to it from, from, the, uh, from the malts, chocolate, almost a little roasty on the finish, but yeah, very nice, uh, a little silky on the, on the, on the mouthfeel when you drink it. Okay, so. so explain what defines a stout other than that, you know, as 
the Irish say you can eat it for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the uh, style came, uh, it was actually in, in London, and um, it was actually the, uh, the porter style first, and it was uh, very popular among the working class uh, at the time, mainly porters, uh, that's how they got its name. Uh, stout uh, at the time was uh, translating to strong. Okay, I'm going to pop this bad boy open, and we'll just take a look, because I guess most people have seen this, but when you pour a stout, it, and it's going to be the same out of a bottle, I'm assuming, as when you do it. You just you don't want to just pour this thing because these babies do that yeah, if you pour do. a stout wrong. Okay, so what I want to ask you is to demonstrate how to pour a stout correctly. Well, actually, the correct way really is to do it that way with the stout, and especially a nitrogenated stout. Mm -hmm. uh, you see how right when you poured it, it stopped there and it didn't kind of foam over. Right. Uh, you're supposed to pour it that way to release all the aroma and then let it sit for a second and, uh, and off you go. Um, most people do like to pour it to get you know, rid of the head, but the proper way to pour it is to just pour it in, let all that head settle. And, uh, okay. Yeah, we, um, I worked a beer festival. This is interesting. I was um, young and broke as opposed to now when I'm old and broke. Now, now, <laughs> now I'm ruling the world. But back when I was young and poor, it was um, the Guinness Fla. It was a two-day concert that Guinness hosted in New York City on Randall's Island. And they had brought in as much beer as they thought they could possibly sell in two days. And they ran through it in less than one day. And I was bartending at this thing. And it's been a fun, fun time for you. We huh? had like 26 taps going in each beer tent. And they were just running nonstop. You just put it under. And it was Guinness and Bass was all we were selling. Mm -hmm. And the Guinness guys came around at the beginning of the day. And they said, um, well, every time you pour a Guinness, you must sit there you, and let it rest and, you know, do this. Yep. And in the meantime, by the end of the day, you know, we're literally going through these. I mean, I had to, everybody had to take a half-hour shift in the refrigerated cooler. And each tap of the 26 had two half kegs attached to it. Uh -huh. And literally every 30 seconds, one of those kegs would die. So I was in there for 30 minutes freezing because I was sweating from being in 100-degree weather and popping these things. So you can imagine in that type of thing, and we're being told by the Guinness representatives, no beer goes out unless it's been rested properly. Yeah, and that, so, that's um, what that's for. That's yeah. what they're, they're talking about. So the, they did not get their wish. But we did set a Guinness world record for most beer sold in one day. Really? I don't know, given that Guinness fantastic. publishes the book, I don't know. Maybe they were cheating. But <laughs> a, little, a little bias, right? Anyway, a little glimpse into my poverty-stricken past. Back before the glamorous days of Las Vegas. We've got, a, um, we've got another person on the chat line. Scott, what's going on? Yeah, Chef Sean wants to know if you guys are going to talk about malted beer. And then also Jackie uh, wants to know if you're going to be talking about IPAs. Uh, yes, uh, we will be talking about IPAs. Um, not, not sure if we have time to do the malted beer, but I do have uh, a nice yep. IPA sitting right here. Okay, the, yeah, let's talk about an IPA. And okay. th that, that would be this one. I'm looking from behind. I can't read backwards. There we go. I uh, went ahead and brought uh, Pyramid's IPA. Now, the IPA style. Oh, we're not going to pour that. There you go. Um, Actually, no, we don't have to pour that, pour that one unless there's something really okay. fun that'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it explodes or a genie comes out or anything. But let's, let's show people. This is, so this is a Pyramid IPA. Mm -hmm. There we go. And um, what is an IPA? All of, you know, again, I'm not an expert on beer. I try, to, I try to know a bit about everything and not a lot about anything, I guess. But IPA is pretty high in alcohol content, right? Uh, yeah, traditionally, yes. It, uh, it actually stands for India Pale Ale. Uh, how the style became um, uh, popular, I guess, or, or got invented was... Um, is brewed in England, uh, and they needed a beer that would survive the trip over to India to give to their uh, British troops. Um, the beer kept getting sour, so the brewers uh, decided to up the alcohol content and up the hop content, which uh, acts as a natural preservative so that the beer would uh, withstand the journey. So they are higher alcohol, uh, higher hop, and um, here in, uh, 
you know, the United States, it tends to even be more than that, more than the English styles, even more alcohol and even more uh, hops. So much of our alcohol history involves the English trying to get their troops drunk in some way or yeah, having to yeah. get their troops. I mean, the gin and tonic was to get the troops to drink quinine so they wouldn't get malaria. And basically, so they would give them the quinine, but the troops didn't want to take the quinine, so they said, well, put some gin in it. And, you know, and no, the, I didn't know that, that was pretty much it's, That may not be the exact story, but it's very close to that. So I'm sure some gin lover will tell me where I made a slight mistake, but something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got to get alcohol to the troops, and mm -hmm. here we go. And now we're drinking IPAs. Where do you find IPAs in most bars? Uh, not too many uh, in Vegas, but definitely around California, Oregon, uh, Washington. Actually, the uh, IPA scene, especially on the West Coast, is uh, gaining a lot of popularity. How high will the alcohol content go in an IPA? Uh, it's usually from 7 to 10, and there's also double and triple IPAs, which can go even higher. And I mean, so, 10, you're talking about a weak wine at that level. I mean, yeah. you're talking about mm -hmm. more than you get in a white Zinfandel. That's right. And if right. you're having two or three of them, you know, it, it definitely adds up. So Yeah. So be careful out there, IPA drinkers. I'm sure you already are drunk and aren't listening to me anyway by this point. Um, Scott, another question. Yeah, what makes you guys decide what beer, what styles of beers you guys are going to brew? Yeah, you've got like pretty much the whole world at your, is your oyster there. You can do whatever you want, right? That's true. Uh, I actually go around and I talk to a lot of my guests and see what they're interested in. Uh, this, uh, the Honey Blonde that I brewed was um, just from talking to the guests, they wanted a higher alcohol, slightly sweet, but not to get a lot of the alcohol burn. So I did our Honey Blonde with uh, Honey Malt, uh, again, 9% alcohol, and I dry hopped it with a lot of Cascade hops to uh, kind of cut back on that you know, alcohol aroma that you get in the higher alcohol beers. When you drink craft beers, it's normally going to be a higher level of alcohol than your store-bought beers, right? Typically, yes. I think the um, usual lowest is around 5%. I mean, they'll do light, lighter styles lower than that, but uh, our lowest uh, alcohol percentage is 5% at Barley's. Right, and normally a supermarket beer, you're getting like maybe 4 to 5%. Yeah, and now, I mean, Bud Light is even lower. Yeah. And now I know there was a time, I don't know if people are aware of this, but there was a time when it was illegal to put the alcohol content on beers under, I think, federal law because they didn't want companies getting into a, a alcohol an content alcohol war, war, basically, uh -huh. where they were brewing it heavier and heavier. Now it's, I mean, and that was during my beer drinking lifetime, but I, again, am old. But like Scott, you remember that, right? <laughs> um, but I think now I'm going to start crying now. Now <laughs> it's now it's okay, right? You can. You yeah, can. they actually might even use it as a uh, marketing technique to be putting it on there. A lot of people do like the higher alcohol beers nowadays, right. you know. Exactly what Congress was used to be worried about. Yep. yep. <laughs> Scott, another question, man. Yeah, GFP wants to know: Have they had any requests for gluten-free beers? Um, I have not at Barley's, um, but that is another uh, popular style that's coming. That's that's. Uh, that's taking notice out there, but I I have not had that request at Barley's yet. And how's that done? What do you what do you do to make a gluten free beer? You know, I'll, honestly, I'll tell you I I do not know because I haven't had the request. I haven't done okay. the research on that yet. But cool. Um, we've got a couple more styles. I want to run through them real quickly. What else did you bring that we haven't chatted about? Uh, well, I brought our uh, German Dunkel Black Mountain. That's this one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so explain what a dunkel is. And this is pretty heavy. I mean, this looks almost, this is what I thought was the stout when I mm -hmm. saw it from behind. Uh, what I like about the dunkel is it's not heavy on the mouthfeel at all. It's actually a lighter body dark. It's got a nice roasted finish, but not nearly as uh, overpowering like, as, as a stout with, with the mouthfeel. Very light. Um, in fact, if you close your eyes, it, it's almost like drinking a, a, a pale, you know, uh, light 
light beer on the, on the mouth. Now, I'm really not familiar with the Dunkel. Is that something mm -hmm. I'd find a lot of if I were to go into one of my, uh, obviously we can get it at, at Barley's, mm -hmm. but if I go into say, well, okay, if I go into Freaking Frog, I'm going to find everything. You're going to find right? everything there, yes. But, um, <laughs> you know, and Yard House, I'd probably find it. Those are the places where you'll find just about anything. But mm -hmm. am I going to come across Dunkels in my neighborhood bar or my neighborhood supermarket? Uh, most likely not. They're uh, usually just brewed in uh, Bavaria. That's where most of the Dunkels are brewed. Um, and you'll find uh, a brewery or two that, that will do it. So we're, we're one of them. Okay. German Dunkel. And then the other types that you brought, real quick. Well, let's go through one. Or, we have two more? One more? Uh, one more. We've got the, we that was the honey, the honey that we okay. talked about. And I brought a, a limited edition ice box from, from Red Hook. Um, I love the uh, story of how the, the style got, um, got created. Uh, a brewer and his apprentice, uh, you know, brewed a batch of beer. And the apprentice was supposed to reel the kegs into the brewery. They left it out overnight. And a storm came and dropped below freezing, the keg exploded. As punishment, the brewmaster made the uh, apprentice uh, drink the slush that was left there, and it turned out to be pretty good. So <laughs> you're gonna get, it's, uh, again, it's concentrated how you brew it, is you're gonna freeze, freeze the beer. Whatever water's in there, you're gonna skim off the top, and you're left with a highly concentrated beer. Uh, it's got uh, raisin, maybe plum, kind of dark fruit finish, uh, used, sweet. used to find that in college when you had those little, um, those little, you know, college dorm room fridges, which sucked, and the freezer was attached, and yeah. then you'd shove a whole keg of beer in there, and whichever, or a case of beer, excuse me, whichever one was closest to the little freezer section, you'd get it out, and it would be slush, <laughs> and it was cool because you just pour off the alcohol, pour and then the alcohol it was like you're like doing a, shots a of shot beer, of beer. shots, yeah. you know. So it's the same basic thing that we did accidentally in college. Basically the same. Yep. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Another question, Scott. Yeah, Maya has an interesting question. They want to know, or she wants to know. Have they ever made a non-grain beer, like with apples or corn or something like that? Um, not with all. I mean, that, that would be going into like a, a wine, basically. Right. But you do use apple or, you know, you can use apples or mangoes, you know, in your brew to give like a, a mango flavor to your beer. But to be beer, by definition, it has to be grain-based. It has to have grain. Yeah. Just like sake has to be rice-based uh, rice and based. wine has to be generally grape-based. Grape mm -hmm. Right. So... Okay. Um, now, I know a lot of people out there, you've got the friends who are the beer snobs, and they all brew their own beer. Is it possible to brew good beer at home? Because I've had some bad home-brewed beer. And I, you I have to. you got to smile <laughs> and grin and say, mmm, this is good. <laughs> and, yeah, thanks, home brewers out there. Yeah. But, I mean, how hard is it to brew beer at home, and can you get a good product? Uh, no, you can definitely get a good product at home. I've uh, actually had, went to a bunch of uh, different tastings when... Home brewers would bring their product, and they have fantastic stuff. I find the uh, biggest challenge with home brewing, from my experience anyway, is getting the consistency out of it. You know, you can brew a good home brew, and then it's kind of a little tougher to get that consistency brewing at the next batch. You know, in a brewery, we've got, you know, all the equipment to make things consistent. You know, at home, you're kind of a lot of times you're just making your own. Uh, making your own equipment there. So now, I'm surprised we haven't gotten this question, or else we've probably gotten it 600 times, and Scott just doesn't want to ask it because it's the most obvious. How do you get to be a brewmaster? Uh, usually you go to uh, brewery school. You know, there's a Siebel. You can go to Germany. Uh, then you go and get, like, an apprenticeship and then become a, uh, a brewmaster that way, you know, work for a couple of years. I uh, actually became a brewer uh, by luck and hard work, basically. I was a bartender, uh, Gordon Biersch, and was just curious about beer. So when his assistant moved on, he asked me to come aboard, worked with him for two and a half years, met other brewers through town, and then uh, got the call one happy day to work at Barley's. Not as glamorous as a no, career as no. people think. I mean, I've been in these, these breweries, and I mean, these are, 
I, I don't know how to put it. First of all, they're spotless when I come mm -hmm. in for my tour, and I'm sure they're spotless when you're working, but definitely. these are messy, filthy, kind of stinky areas, right? Oh, I mean, definitely. Yeah, you're they, crawling they into out, disgusting, yeah. smelly tanks and scrubbing them Scrubbing down, out the you know? tanks, uh, you know, hauling out, you know, thousands of pounds of grain. Um, you, it's definitely a, a career that you have to love what you do to do it. If you're just doing it, you're not going to get any joy out of it. So I, I love being around beer. I love uh, talking about beer. I love talking to, you know, the, the, the beer drinker and see what they think of my product. So Another question, Scott. Yeah, can you make beer out of any grain, for example, oats? Um, any, anything that has sugar, you I, can uh, ferment. You use oats in certain stouts, right? Mm -hmm. or am I oatmeal stout. Oatmeal yeah. stout, right. But uh, anything that has sugar can, can be fermented and, you know, technically turned into beer. Right, okay. So, um, let's talk a bit about the local beer scene. First of all, that's yeah. what's going to be celebrated on Saturday at UNLV. So mm -hmm. guys, look into that. Just run a quick web search, and that's mostly going to be local brewers. I did a story maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, when we first met. I was doing a story for Luxury Las Vegas about okay. the local craft beer scene. I think at the time there were maybe about seven local brewers. How are we? Are we getting bigger? Are we getting? We, I want to say we were around seven, either seven right. or eight. Yeah, we are. Definitely a little behind in, you know, like say California or Oregon, but we're 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 getting there, you know, and uh, uh, definitely the the notice is out there. I mean, uh, I've been going to these beer events for for years now, and every beer event that I go to now is just packed with people, excited people, and people that are knowledgeable about beer. So it's definitely a scene that is improving in Vegas. Yeah. Um, who are some of your favorites? I mean, here in town, local breweries. Uh, I, I know the largest. Barley's. <laughs> the largest is Ellis Island, which surprised me. But I guess mm -hmm. they support the whole. Um, They've got Loose Caboose the, the chain. Village I think. pubs. Yeah, village. Like yeah. That. So um, they they do really well. I can't go back there. I got kicked out for karaoke once. You're not allowed to use bad words when you karaoke there, and you can't swing the microphone. Keep that in mind, people. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, That's a good. Yeah. <laughs> It was embarrassing. But. <laughs> what song were you singing? Oh, it wasn't anything good either. It was like a bad song. That's why I was cursing and swinging the microphone because I had just moved to town. That was 10 years ago. I don't know how long the band lasts. Some of those bands last a while. I was banned from a casino once and didn't realize I was in the black book for like four years. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was yeah. crazy. I had You're to get a vice a president to get me off the, <laughs> off the list. It was frightening. Um, but so obviously Ellis Island's the most popular. Who are mm -hmm. some of your favorites here in town? Uh, some of the favorites, you know, obviously uh, Gordon Birch, where I learned how to brew. Uh, they do great Gordon. German lagers there. Gordon. They're a German beer house. They're kind of the, uh, I don't want to say the, the McDonald's of the brewery world, um, but that's a good thing. They're consistent. You know, you go to any Gordon Beer and you're going to get the same beer, which, you know, the brewers there are consistent. That's one of the big challenges. That's um, what I was going to say. A lot of people don't really consider Gordon Beer a local brew house, mm -hmm. though, because I know they are, they are given a certain latitude to make a few brews that are a, a few. Here. They, they have to be German style, so even their, their seasonal have to be German style, so... That's uh, that's definitely a challenge for them. Another chain. Does BJ's actually brew in there? Uh, BJ's not in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. They they brew um, out of California and, sh and ship it over. Okay. Um, I know I like uh, Big Dogs does really good IPAs there. Uh, Tanea Creek is another really good one. They just started bottling a lot of their products. You know they they do a great job of their two brewmasters there. And Tanea Creek is a beer that you will find at a lot of restaurants and bars here in town. Yes, you don't have definitely. to go. It is fun to go to their place. Their joint is great. I like hanging oh, yeah. out there, but you don't have to go there. You can um, actually, you know, buy it. And I, I think First Food and Bar serves it over in the Palazzo Casino. So yeah. that's kind of cool to have, you know, some, somebody, somebody getting that kind of penetration with their product. Yeah, and then uh, the other one I like uh, is Chicago. Chicago Brewing is probably the, uh, those are probably the breweries, breweries that I like. Chicago does a lot of good Belgian stuff. 
I think maybe the most boutique that I know of is um, Boulder Dam. Boulder Dam. Mm -hmm. They seem like they only make I don't know one barrel of each beer or something. Yeah. Like like you drink five, you drink a six pack and they're out of whatever they brewed. I mean, <laughs> they've so got a small like, system there, so they're they're constantly brewing and trying to fill fill their tanks. But yeah, they, even their their tanks are, are little things that you see behind the bar. But uh, so that's the challenge for them. Okay, um, if you were going to give advice to people who are Bud Light drinkers mm -hmm. or Coors Light, and I'm not bringing these things up as if they're negative. It's simply, you know, that's a lot of people's exposure. Mm -hmm. if, if people are used to only mass-produced beers that advertise during the Super Bowl, let's put it that okay. way. way put if it. you're a Super Bowl <laughs> beer drinking guy or gal, what's the easiest transition beer? What's the one that's not going to make you go, ah, oh, man, I can't drink these? Because some uh, of these are a little scary. Yeah, if you're, oh, definitely. I mean, even like the Hefeweizen, which I get a lot of people that do love it, but it's, a, it's very, you know, different from what you're, you're used to. Um, oddly enough, I would actually recommend the uh, Red Rock, which is a, a merchant style. Again, uh, very well balanced, malty, so nothing too surprising. And if you want to get move on to something a little darker, uh, definitely like a Dunkel or a Schwartz beer. It's very light bodied, uh, again balanced, more of a malty finish. Um, so I would uh, stick to those two. Definitely uh, easier way into something. But a like Dunkel is going to be hard to find. Dunkel is going to be hard to find. Yeah. Schwartz beers are a little easier. Um, uh, stouts, you know, would would be a, a safe way to go to. What are your thoughts about um, people that mix stouts with, say, cider, or you know, either make a black and tan, or make a snake bite, or those kind of things? Um, you know what? Is that, is How, that however of, you want to drink is, well, how, is how you want to drink. But uh, in the beer snob think. world, is that the same thing as doing a sake bomb would be in my sake world? Uh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. yeah I feel bad. I kind of like a good, you know, cider. So you don't like velvet. sake bombs, huh? No, no, no. I oh. don't. I don't tend to mix. I don't mix pure things with other things, uh, but for some reason I do like a, a black velvet, you know, a nice stout with a little bit of um, cider in there. I enjoy it. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a wuss. Scott, we have a question? Yeah, last question here from Chef Sean again. Uh, what are cold filtered and heat pasteurized beers? Uh, heat pasteurized would basically be when you're bottling your product and then you're going to basically heat pasteurize it to kill all the bacteria in there. Uh, it um, prolongs the shelf life. Uh, cold filtered is actually a term, I think, by Miller, or is it Coors, that they I use to advertise uh, all beer is cold filtered. Oh, okay. so, so they're very proud of that. Yeah, yeah. It's like saying, we've got grain in our beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or uh, triple hops. You know? Triple hops, yeah. Um, okay. Well, man, I've got, a, I've got a role. We've got a really cool event going on, which I can't tell anybody about right now, but there's a great reality show show that's about to shoot in one of the one of my favorite restaurants so I gotta get my butt down there we will have pictures of that next week though I'm gonna be talking to you guys about that in the meantime beer festivals everywhere Oktoberfest's coming up that's what right. do you have specifically in in the plans you know I know you've hosted some beer fests and things mm -hmm. like that in the past uh, yeah uh, recently I'm thinking of doing the uh, event at Springs Preserve in October um, and I'm probably gonna do some type of uh, seasonal for the winter coming up I'm not sure if I'm gonna get an Oktoberfest in because I already have an Oktoberfest lager, probably do uh, a winter, some type of winter warmer, uh, you know, so higher alcohol again. But. Right. Okay, in the meantime, get yourself over to Barley's. It's a cool joint, great place to hang out if you're a beer drinker, great place to hang out and watch the games, have some real beer while you're watching the games on the weekends. But the place pretty much has a steady clientele every night of the week. Yes. Um, you know, I seriously think you draw more people in there for the beer than you do for the slot machines. 
I'd, I'd like to think so. Yeah, <laughs> um, maybe, and the combination of the you know brew house with the sports book. I mean, that's rather unique. That's, you know, yeah, we, got a lot we of, definitely thrive on the on the sports. So. Yeah, so that's great. Um, so I recommend you go and talk to Bubba if you are one of those beer snobs. Seriously, we love you guys. Um, I just you make me feel stupid, but that's okay. Um, Bubba is as smart as you, or smarter, and he would love to chat with you about beer. You like we'll it when your customers to. come in, right, man? I love it. That's that's. One of the main parts I love about my job when they come in, tell me what they think, you know, good, bad, what have you. And uh, I like showing them around the brewery. A lot of people uh, get a kick out of it. So please Other, come in. Otherwise, you're just a guy crawling around in tanks all yeah, day. Yeah, really. exactly. You yeah. know, I mean, if you don't get to. Yeah, and you will give little mini tours of the brewery. It's not something you've got to buy a ticket for or nope, anything like nope. that. No, <laughs> come on in, uh, especially if I, you know, I have a second. I'd love to just show you, pick you around back there. Uh, just come, come, come to the bar and ask, ask for me, basically. Great. Thanks a lot. In the meantime, guys, check out my website, as always, almancini.net. Um, follow me on Twitter, almancinivegas. And buy my book, Eating Las Vegas, for the 50 Essential Restaurants. Woo, you made that bigger there. It covers up the whole fork of spoon. <laughs> um, I am good. Thanks a lot, by, by the way, everyone who tuned in early this week. Um, sorry, we just got a lot of weird scheduling plans going on the next couple weeks. I will be in early next week as well, and I need to tell you why. I will be going to Dish of Las Vegas. It benefits Three Square, the Hunger Bank here in Nevada. 23 great restaurants. They are going to be at the Pool at the Palms. Um, VIP tickets, which you can get now, get you in at 5.30. I think it opens to the public around 6.30. Um, advanced regular tickets, only 100 bucks. Incredible restaurants there. That's where I'm going to be next week during my normal time, heading over there. And you guys, that way you can tune in, watch me early next week, and then get over there. Because again, Three Square, we had um, Erica from Three Square in here a few weeks ago. It is right. just an incredible cause. So please, please check that out. Tune in next week early again, 4 o'clock. I'm Al Mancini. This is Top of the Food Chain, and we're out of here.